0: Hello and welcome, all, to the world's premier uh, Star Wars literature podcast. That's right, I'm calling it literature. We're not just talking about novels. We're talking about poetry. We're talking about uh, epics. We're talking about essays, really. The whole vast body of literature that is Star Wars. We're your one-stop shop, and of course, we start with only the best of the best. The creme de la creme, Timothy Zahn, and his Thrawn trilogy. Um... Hello, if this is your first episode of Thronderdome, what are you doing? Go back and listen to the rest of these because we're we're recapping a book series. You know, you you, you want to know what's going on. Um, but to that, we are now we are in the home stretch of the second novel of the trilogy, uh, closing in on the end of Dark Force Rising. Thank and, God! Uh, thank <laughs> our our holding pattern. The pilot seems to in, indicate that we may be getting out of our holding pattern soon, everyone. And applause just erupts from our humble passengers. Myself, Dr. Daniel Doughty, I haven't introduced myself yet. And my intrepid co-host, Ronnie Gardaki. Ronnie, how, how are you feeling tonight?
1: Well, it's, it's another night of uh, making the donuts, so to speak. <laughs> we're, <laughs>
0: yeah, we're, uh, we're punching in, bleary-eyed... Uh, you know, clearly just dead inside, but, uh, no, I think, I think this, I feel like this section was pretty zippy, honestly. I, I'm really, I'm really happy that we had several chapters in a row that followed a narrative thread to a more or less satisfying end. Uh, and then we have some, I know I, I advertised last, the previous episode, or no, two episodes ago, uh, I advertised as being free of Nogri bullshit, and sadly we do have the return of Nogri bullshit on this one, but... I think the audience will agree. Uh, It it feels like we have turned a corner. Um, But yeah, Ronnie, I don't know if, if if you don't have any other opening remarks, we can just get right to it.
1: Well, I'll, I'll just say that, uh, that that Zippy is right because uh, I, there, there are just entire pages where I just glazed over because it was just like a interminable action sequence. (laughs) Yeah, it's very, pretty action
0: heavy. And, well, we'll we'll see. We'll see. It's action-heavy. You know, you know who
1: who's who's not great at doing action uh, scenes. A guy who never describes anything,
0: <laughs> or when he does describe something, it's the uh, it's the finely coiled wire of a hyperdrive. Whatever, uh, you know. He he knows how to pick them. Uh, speaking speaking of our author, Timothy Zahn, uh, respected
1: the maven, Terror of Tampa.
0: The, ter- the Terror of Tampa. Timothy's on himself. Um, I, I really I really do want to give him credit for this chapter starting... See, the end of the last chapter was like, Luke and Mara are on their way to try to intercept the Chimera to uh, get on board while they're doing a resupply run uh, at some planet, you know. And it said like, oh, we'll have four days to figure something out for their plan on how to spring Talon Card out of space jail. And I was bracing myself for a chapter that was about those four days. And it would just be four days of Mara Jade hissing and, and, and just spitting at uh, Luke Skywalker. But to Zahn's eternal credit, he opens chapter 22 with Mara and Luke already on the Chimera. <laughs> and I just had to I, say, I think at a
1: certain point, uh, Zahn realized, like, shit, I have less than 100 pages left.
0: Yeah, yeah, it is really—I actually read part of my—I uh, read my hard copy for this one, and I, I found myself thinking, damn, as I noticed how little of the book was left. But we do pick up those four days later, after the end of the last chapter. Mara Jade deftly sets a cargo shuttle down on the main deck of the Chimera's hangar bay. and Mara and Luke's plan to Shanghai a resupply shuttle to get themselves on board the Star Destroyer, where Talon Card is imprisoned, has paid off in spades— they're acknowledged by the air traffic controller and told to settle in as the unloading process takes a couple hours. And Mara's glad to hear it, that, well, they have a couple hours to pull off their plan. So, uh, Luke and Mara hop down the spiral staircase on the uh, to the cargo area of the shuttle. I thought that was a fun detail. Where Luke takes out his all-purpose hole cutter, lightsaber, and cuts a damn hole through the bottom. Which... Get, just get used to that because we're gonna have a lot of lightsaber welding and cutting uh, in this chapter. There,
1: there's a really absurd phrase in this uh, sequence where, or uh, where, like he's he's jumping down to the deck below, and it, does it, it refers to his Jedi enhanced muscles. Yes. So is it? So is, are we to believe that the Force like made him buff or something? No, it's that he doesn't have to be buff. To be a strong dude, I think
0: he can still be like a weedy little guy. Uh, I thought it might have been be... like a.
1: I thought it might have been a thing like where where uh, Toby McGuire gets uh, bitten by the spider and then he wakes up the next morning and he's and he's buff.
0: Oh, he's super cut. Yeah, yeah. Well, maybe that that's what happened with Kabea. He he actually didn't. It's actually not a Jedi thing as to why he's so ripped. He has just also got bitten by a radioactive spider at some point on Wayland. I could explain. Sure. Um, yeah, sure, Why not? Why not? You know? Throw throw that guy into Spider-Verse across the universe or whatever it's called.
1: Um, I'm sure but, uh, I'm sure your awful goblin child will be making you watch it someday. <laughs>
0: I told you she doesn't seem to be quite aware of the existence of movies. I've done a really good job as a parent of just kind of, you know.
1: I mean, there's I there's varying definitions of good
0: I have done a job. But speaking of doing a job, uh, Luke is using his Force Dar to kind of check around for people, but it seems pretty deserted, as all the uh, crewers in this section uh, have been seconded to the unloading of all these supply shuttles. Uh, Mara insists on acquiring some disguises anyway, uh, to which Luke says, let's try to avoid stormtrooper armor. Those helmets are hard to see through. uh, Hey, does that remind you of anything?
1: Now, you might think to yourself, oh, Ronnie's going to be pretty pissed off about this because he hates when Timothy Zahn just uh, uh, artlessly uh, repeats things that happened in the original trilogy, but I actually (laughs) thought this was kind of a cute reference because it it seems like something that would actually arise in this situation because, like, he has pretended to be a stormtrooper before and he found it uncomfortable, so he's going to try to do something else this time.
0: I think of the of the ways Zahn has worked in references to the original trilogy, this is among the least ham fisted. It makes sense as something someone would say, you know. Uh but it's also, boy, w- w- listener, it is not the first nod to the first Star Wars movie in this whole sequence. I did I did like uh, Mara
1: Jade's uh, <laughs> response which was I didn't think Jedi needed to use their eyes. <laughs> I mean right. well well what, what makes you think that they don't need to use their eyes? Is it because they sometimes close yeah. their eyes when they when they do Force crap?
0: Or they, uh, well, you know, because he, he has this little Force star up. Like, why does he even need eyes? And I like that because it just, you know, I would like the idea of Luke trying to navigate by just sensing where people are because then he would be constantly, like, bumping into, like, you know, coffee tables. Uh, do they have coffee? I guess hot chocolate tables in Star Wars since we don't know if they have coffee. Space um, coffee tables. Space coffee tables. Uh, So there's a a TIE fighter pilot ready room nearby that should have some extra flight suits in it. Uh, You know, Mara has keyed this up on the computer there. So uh, Mara asks Luke, Which room is least occupied? readying herself to just murder some guys. But Luke tells her to play it cool. He's going to Jedi mind trick this one. And I and I will say I did like this because it's a sequence of he reaches out with the force to make himself really uninteresting to the to the handful of guys who are sitting around. And they just kind of like give each other bro nods as Luke goes and grabs three flight suits out of the closet and like, you know, does a little dash of his hand and, and walks away. Like I think that's one of the better uses of the force is to just make yourself like, you know, uninteresting and just kind of broy. With some bored guys. Um, having gotten those flight suits, they uh, take the turbo lift to the detention level. And Mara expresses some suspicion about this, this, is, this is Luke's part that he came up with in the four-day planning session. Uh, we, we don't know it yet as the reader, but he insists it would be a mistake to try the frontal approach. So what is Luke's idea? He's going up through the trash chute. That's right, nerds. You thought Zahn was recapitulating that scene from the first movie, but actually, he's turned it on its head. So uh, there was actually a, a fun moment in Luke's inner dialogue. I have a note here to read. Um, here we go. Uh, Luke nodded and set off, striving to look like he belonged there. His footsteps echoed on the metal deck, bringing back memories of that near-disastrous visit to the first Death Star. But he'd been a wide-eyed kid then, Dazzled by visions of glory and heroism, and too naive to understand the deadly dangers that went with such things. Now he was older and more seasoned, and knew exactly what it was he was walking into. And yet, was walking into it anyway. Dimly, he wondered if that made him less reckless than he had been the last time, or more so. And I do like that this, of course, Luke is reflecting on things dimly, as that is his want.
1: This is like the sketch comedy troupe that only has like three backdrops so they have to reuse them every time. <laughs> it's like, all right, uh, well, we got the uh, we got the garbage compactor uh, background. We might as well use that again. <laughs> right. Yeah, we, we've already compared uh, a couple of
0: different places to Moss Eisley on Tantooine. I don't think we can get away with that again. Ooh, let's use the garbage pit. Uh, so they they do find that, that trash pit. Uh, doesn't seem to be infested with any tentacle monsters. So I guess maybe that was just like a perk for the Death Star. Um, But I do like that apparently the the Empire has totally standardized their garbage compactor systems for both Star Destroyers and Death Stars. Um, Mara starts the compactor going so that the walls press in. That presses the garbage together such that Luke can then scramble up it to where the chute outlet is. And then he can uh, make his way up that chute to the detention cells uh, corridor. So in a few minutes, he's made it up to the grating in the hallway... And he can hear that uh, Mara had judged it right, that there's about to be a, uh, a shift change for the guard. And so he, he timed it just right, as they're, uh, they're, they're changing shifts, so they're all up at the, the front office. So he cuts a hole in the grating with his lightsaber, hoists himself up, and dashes over to Card's cell. And uh, this is a, a, an odd moment with Talon Card. So Luke opens the door, you know, slides the door open, and Card greets the door opening with a sardonic smile. Which then fades, as, and then he says, I don't believe it. Um, which I just wonder, like, so Talon Card is just ready to greet every like stormtrooper or interrogator with a sardonic smile, and that he loses the sardonic smile when he sees Luke, I guess? I don't, I don't know, it was an odd moment.
1: <laughs> if you look at this chapter, you'll see that uh, Card says things dryly about 50 times. I counted at least two instances on one page, which is absurd. Hey, let's do that. Let's do the word search.
0: This is our new. This is what is going to replace the author notes. Holy cow. Okay. <laughs> let's see. Uh, okay. Ronnie, how many times would you guess the word dryly is used in Dark Force Rising? Nine all right that's pretty good twenty three jesus christ <laughs> twenty three instances uh so that means let's see we're at 438, four thirty eight for yeah it's always used yeah here we here we go uh you're you're right that is used twice in as many pages uh in this chapter that we're reading uh right now amazing uh anyway <laughs> to get back to it um so uh, Luke grabs card, takes him back to the uh, the hole he cut in the grating to go down the uh, garbage chute. And he says, we're going to rock chimney it down to the garbage masher, Luke said. You ever done that before? Which I, I did enjoy. Like asking somebody, hey, you ever slid down a chute into a big trash pit?
1: Um, Apparently he did a lot of uh, rock chimney climbing as a boy on Tatooine. Yeah, that's how you get into the best
0: position to bullseye womp rats, I guess.
1: <laughs> Which I just want I I want like just a a YA novel of Luke Skywalker as a young shit kicker just trying to find ways to fill time on Tatooine.
0: That would be good. That would be a great It's
1: like shooting Wop rats and, and uh and drinking uh, bad beer. <laughs> yes,
0: yeah, ste- stealing uh stealing cheap beer from uh, Uncle Owen's fridge in the uh in the in the moisture evaporator garage.
1: Yeah, it's you could get like hell, you could make it into like a, a movie or a mini series and have like Richard Linklater direct it. It would be great. <laughs> would... I mean Tanoen's basically space Texas.
0: It's certainly it, that is exactly it. So so which which begs the question who was the space Alex Jones that can uh, uh that can um, make a guest appearance? Uh Job of the Hutt. <laughs> he's a he's a big right. gentleman, folks. He's a, he's a large man. Um, so Luke and Card make it out of the chute and out of the compactor without a fuss and uh, Luke drops that uh, Mara is on this mission. Card seems a little ambivalent about that but figures she wasn't actually in on the trap after all since the Imperial interrogators have, have been harping on that trying to get turn him against her. But he assumes Mara promised him something big for this but it seems amused that Luke's podunk attitude that no, he's here because he owes Car- he-, he owes him one. You saved me on Miracle, I owe you one, buddy. So Luke assumed that Thrawn wanted Card for simple revenge. But Card says, hey, if they make it off the Chimera, the New Republic stands to gain a great deal. Uh, Card is amazed that uh, Mara has the kind of access codes to do this. Uh, He had reasoned that she had some kind of Empire connections, but had no idea that it should be so highly placed for something like that. Uh, But once they're out of the trash pit, Card throws on the flight suit, they all pile into the turbo lift to get back to the hangar. They've done it, or have they?
1: And uh, now we get uh, we get a uh, uh, Colonel Clink and uh, Sergeant Schultz.
0: <laughs> we do. We we go back to our as uh, we we cut back to the Commandant's office. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. The bridge of the Chimera, um, where Pol- this. All right, I try not to be. I try not to be shippy about Plane and Thrawn, but there's a line here that... Anyway, uh, plan is surprised by Thrawn quietly approaching from behind him, and then Plan informs him that, hey, the cargo unloading is uh, it's going apace, and the Millennium Falcon is... Uh, uh, we're going to move that to deep storage from the hangar bay. Uh, all seems well, except uh, Plan remembers one odd report. He's like, oh, uh, yeah, I meant to say, a skip-ray blast boat made a crash landing outside the perimeter of the supply base that those shuttles are coming from. And even stranger, there wasn't a Salomir on board. And then comes the line, He felt Thrawn stiffen. Show me. I'm I sorry, mean, the fact that you, Tim. The
1: fact that you're shipping these two characters is absurd. I mean, it'd, it'd be like having Dan Quayle and Norman Schwarzkopf in a relationship. Well, I'm not the one with candlelit scenes and saying Thrawn stiffened. That's I don't. I'm not at fault here. That's not me. <laughs> anyway, candle lit because uh, his red eyes. I guess.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, look. I as as with everything. Much as Zahn trusts us, the reader, I trust the listener to draw
1: their own conclusions. Uh, and and says, I believe, and I believe that there is absolutely no subtext to this book whatsoever.
0: <laughs> what was that line from? Uh, from Garth Marenghi's Dark Place. I know authors who use subtext, and they're all cowards.
1: Exactly.
0: <laughs> yes. Uh, but, uh, Playon says it's a, it's a different frame, the a Salamiri frame, from the one that they use. Uh, and Playon's like, no telling where it could be from. But Thrawn is such a super genius that he knows it has to be the one other group of people that they know who use these things. Um, so Thrawn orders an immediate check of Talon cards cell, Stormtroopers to the supply shuttles and a shutdown of the ship's main computer. This last gives play and pause, as doing so would, of course, severely limit their own operations and cripple the ship. Uh, But Thrawn has reasoned out that Mara must have some high-ranking overrides that they are unaware of, and this is the only way to be sure she can't continue using them.
1: I do love the the description that uh, Polyon's fingers froze on his keyboard.
0: (laughs) That's, yeah, do do they use QWERTY? In Star Wars, I've never seen a QWERTY keyboard. They just have like a big panel of lights,
1: typically. Do they even have keyboards in Star Wars? I never. I've never seen a keyboard in Star Wars. Timothy, I, li- I like. I like. I like the idea of us going back to watch the original trilogy just to see what items were in the <laughs> in just the to movies.
0: See, if we can, just see if we can spot paper or a keyboard.
1: <laughs> it's like a fucking absurd game of I Spy is the worst possible way to
0: engage with cinema. <laughs> um, well then, we, we got to do, do that, it. That's, we should do it. We should do it. Um, and, and then like as a bonus just we have, like, just
1: we just we just list all of the things that exist in Star Wars.
0: We need to do a live commentary track where we're like, "Ooh, uh there's uh there's a pillow. They got pillows in Star Wars. <laughs> like oh 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 wait, I think I see a paperclip. They got paperclips in Star Wars. But not paper, oddly enough.
1: Uh, oh, that, that'd anyway. be great, and lose all the listeners we we have.
0: Just the, the the all of the goodwill we have cultivated through our trenchant insight would be thrown out the window. Um, well, speaking of throwing things out the window, eh, that's not a segue at all. We're at chapter twenty three, which continues. This I think we've had what four chapters in succession following this one plot thread, which feels strange <laughs> at this point. Yeah, usually, oh,
1: usually, uh, Zahn likes to do meandering bullshit, but I, uh, I guess uh, I, I still go with my theory that he realized that he had less than a hundred pages left, and he had to, like, fucking, uh, uh, you know, get on with it.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I agree, I agree. Or maybe I don't know. Maybe this was like, maybe Betsy stepped in here and was like, "Look, buddy, cut out a couple of Nogri chapters, please. <laughs> Can we just?" Can we just get, like, one plot thread sewed up before we go back to the Nogri planet and do nothing? But anyway, chapter 23. Uh, Mara, Luke, Card, and two Imperial goons are in the turbo lift when it stops abruptly. As part of the security lockdown, it won't move until everyone scans their ID cards. So the other two guys kind of get on it. Uh, the, our heroes are kind of hemming and hawing. Well, there's no finessing this one. Mara Jade breaks both dudes' necks. And and bids you Luke know, to start. Cu-
1: you know, it, it takes balls for in chapter twenty three for Zahn to introduce a completely new uh, expletive modifier word. But he has one of the one of the imperial goons use the word "burnin" not once but twice. Oh, yeah. And I don't think it's ever appeared before in this book or the previous one.
0: No, you're right. I think that's so. It's like
1: he's introducing swears in into the fucking book this late in the game. It's absurd. Uh,
0: yeah. Here we go. According to the word search, "burnin" apostrophe appears exactly twice on the same page. <laughs> so, what if it was like the one
1: guy with with a completely unique uh, pattern of speech, and then J just breaks his neck.
0: Well, uh, all the rest of the guys would probably be grateful because he was the guy who was trying to make Burnin' happen, and it just it was never going to happen, and they were sick of it. Don't you
1: hate it in like sci-fi when they like try to create like substitute curse words, like uh, uh, Battlestar Galactica or, or Firefly or whatever? It never
0: sounds right, and it never. I think it, the only one that jobs. works.
1: The only one that works is uh, Red Dwarf with Smeg. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and that has the advantage of already resembling uh, a a. I mean, yeah, it's term. based on smegma,
1: so it's, yeah, it's actually yeah. like adjacent to an actual curse word. So I think that one works. But burning, uh, nope. Glad, uh, yeah. glad he got his neck broken.
0: <laughs> so anyway, that guy's dead. Our favorite character lies dead, broken on the floor of the turbo lift. Uh, and then uh, Mara says, "All right, Luke, start cutting into the wall with your lightsaber because <laughs> that's what you are good for." Uh, luckily, this lift has stopped next to the door of a, a kind of a, a maintenance access tunnel, uh, so they're able to uh, chop their way out of the 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 turbo lift car and uh, into this tunnel, past a bunch of stored maintenance droids, to a computer terminal, where Mara is stunned that they've shut down the main computer. Uh, her great idea is like, well, now she can't do like half of her cool stuff. But they get their bearings about where they must be on the ship and card notes that they must be near the uh, deep starship storage which could give them the element of surprise. You know, they're looking for them to scamper back to the shuttles, not come down from above in a vehicle lift from storage. Just then, they're busted by a stormtrooper patrol, but Card activates some maintenance droids to make a clamor with their tools to create a diversion, and Mara and Luke slaughter them. Uh, Luke has a pretty high body count in this chapter, I I find. I
1: I might just be weird, but uh, I spent most of this chapter... uh... Like while I was reading it, I was imagining like what this would be like if I was playing Dark Force Rising, the game. Yeah, like for the Super <laughs> Nintendo, right? And and just how tedious it would be because it would just be wave after wave of stormtroopers and like and like you'd probably have like you 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 get the choice between playing as Luke, Marjade, or Talon Card. Yeah, and and I just imagine that the uh, the trash compactor scenes would definitely be the ones where. I die over and over again. <laughs> I would tell you I would have a lot of trouble
0: on the Turbo Lift uh jumping puzzle. That would be the one I would have to get my non-existent older brother to help me with.
1: Hey um, nerds, get on making uh, the Thrawn Trilogy into 16-bit video games.
0: Yeah, I want I want Super Dark Force Rising on my SNES emulator. Friggin' nerds, do something useful. Quit try quit trying to make headset computer bullshit. Like, quit trying to make Google Glass happen. You see this bullshit that Apple announced today? Terrible.
1: Yeah, everyone's comparing it to Ready Player One.
0: It looks like shit. Awful. Yeah, it looks like Awful Ready Player stuff. One, so it looks like looks like, like Ready shit. Player One, yeah. Uh,
1: <laughs>
0: speaking of Ready Player One, we'll have news about uh, uh, the, the, the creative force behind that and his association with Star Wars uh, yeah. later on after the season ends. Um, anyway. So, uh, Thrawn and Playon are getting reports. Uh, they found the cut-open grating, the slaughtered squad, some with partially cauterized wounds, which confirms Thrawn's hunch that one of the intruders is luke freaking skywalker Playon is shocked. He was supposed to be on Joe Mark. Kabayoth assured them he could keep him there. Uh, Thrawn is furthermore convinced that Card has been hand-in-glove with the Republic this entire time. This is just confirming all of his priors that Card was always a bad actor, you know. Which... I mean, ultimately, like, if you look at how he's behaved the whole time and the choices that he's made, he just kind of is. He kind of has been with the Republic the whole time. Uh, but Thrawn continues kinda, He kind of to...
1: reminds me of, like, when when uh, 90s comics would, like, try to make Gambit be, like, uh, morally ambiguous, but instead he was just basically a good guy who just seemed sneaky. <laughs> right. He was, which is how I play
0: every RPG. I always go for uh, being a sneaky thief who's good. That's a that's a fun way to play.
1: But yeah, uh, like at a certain point, it's like you live in a fucking X Men mansion, gambit. You're not a you're not a rogue or a, or a, or, a, or a rebel. Yeah, but he's you know he's he's in the thieves guild, me pa- paisan or whatever he says. Anyway, <laughs> oh we could get really offensive with this really quick so we should just stop it. Let's let us move away from it. Uh Thrawn continues to make orders to kind of box them in. He's
0: under the assumption that they're on their way back to the shuttles. Uh so he's telling people like, "All right, move the turbo lifts this way and get the squads over there." But then he thinks, "Wait a minute, the Millennium Falcon. They must be making for deep storage." Um cut back to our heroes. Luke is cutting a few more holes and bulkheads with the lightsaber. This is where it starts getting pretty glaze-over action-sequency and not super interesting. Uh, but just to give everybody, you know, give everybody what's up. Uh, they're they're in the storage area just as a certain beloved spaceship rises into view on the lift, having been moved there. It's the Millennium Falcon! Luke is terrified at first that Leia has been captured, but Mara tells him that uh, now they, they found it deserted. Luke is dead set. We're taking it back. Um, Luke tries to bluff his way onto the ship. I, I kind of like that, but the hangar techs smell a rat, which induces Luke to use the force to pull a blaster rifle out of a dude's hands and then just chuck it right back at his diaphragm and knock him out, which I kind of liked. Um, and uh, they, they they bundle those guys off into a locker or something. And Hotshot Talon Card leaps into action. Jumping into the cockpit and starting the Falcon's pre-flight sequence, because, you know, Talent Card is, you know, he's not just a smuggler, he's a, he's a smuggler's smuggler, and a damn good pilot. So, if anyone can make the Falcon purr, it's going to be Talent Card. Uh, evidently, it's really souped up and can be ready to fly in three minutes, as befits a uh, criminal's getaway wagon. Uh, Mara is still outside the ship when a squad of stormtroopers show up between her and the ship. Luke uses the force to communicate with her telepathically, to let her know to keep low and not attack until he gives the word, but then they coordinate their attacks and kill a bunch more guys. And she gets on board the Falcon. Uh, Card maneuvers the Falcon through a close call on the hangar shafts, but out into open space. With the main computer shut down, the Chimera is largely powerless to stop them from escaping. But a flight of Tie Fighters uh, is still going to give them trouble. Uh, Luke mans the dorsal quad laser battery as Card flies kind of close to the uh, the Chimera's hull meaning that they can only approach from the top where they're exposed to to Luke's fire which is I thought was you know it was pretty clever. Um, and then we have one of my favorite lines the battle was furious but short in some ways reminding Luke of the Falcon's escape from
1: the Death Star so long ago. <laughs> this was anything but short. Like, like
0: really like first of all it's anything but short and also yeah, you mean to say this this thing where you rescue someone from jail and the Empire and you escape via the garbage chute and then you have to shoot Tie Fighters on your way out? Does that remind you of something you were involved in some time ago? Uh, I just thought that was a really funny way to cap a a a chapter that was just essentially a riff on that whole sequence in A New Hope. Uh, but they're both free; they're free and clear. And Card augers in. The hyperspace on a heading for Coruscant to make good on his drop to drop off Luke and make good on his promise to deliver something wonderful to the new republic
1: you don't mean the uh, dark force
0: yeah I, I I think oh that's right we have to look at uh luke's reaction oh let's
1: see let's see i I growing up on tatooine had been a sheltered experience, but it hadn't been that sheltered so so what did you learn in tatooine's school system like? You learned about the Empire. You learned about the Dark Force. Pearl Harbor. Yeah, like, this,
0: like everyone has like a Dark Force unit in primary school. Everyone fucking knows about the Dark Force.
1: <laughs> like... Well, it's kind of like you know they try to get they try to get to to present day in in uh, in history class, but they only like get to like the Dark Force. <laughs> That's right. It's like they have to, it's like compress like hitting... the the rest of history into like two weeks.
0: Yeah, it's like how uh, everyone's history class in high school ends around Harry Truman.
1: It's kind of, <laughs> but
0: uh, anyway, yeah. Um,
1: but back but, on but the I Chimera, did appreciate that line because I did, I did think like, how the fuck does he know about the dark force? Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Uh,
0: back on the Chimera, Paleon's fists are clenched in rage, and he is preparing to get the worst from Thron. Thron, however, he's cool as a cucumber. Um calmly ordering the recall of the TIE fighters and to bring the main computer back online. Thrawn, you see, understands that they have only lost this round. Card may be ready to give the Katana fleet over to the Rebellion, but negotiations will take some time, especially amidst the fraught political situation. It's simply a race at this point, with Niles Ferrier's tracking giving him a good idea of where Han Solo is heading, and Imperial Intelligence working on Card's background, they have a pretty good idea of who this mysterious gambler is who's been selling off bits and pieces of the Dark Force. So the Chimera is off to the casino submarine planet of Pentolomon.
1: You know, your plan isn't very good if you're relying on fucking Niles Farrier. Your, your,
0: your plan isn't very good if you're relying on Niles Farrier and also Borsk Falia. <laughs> like, those are the two pillars of his plan to get to the Dark Force before the uh the the New Republic does. Uh, I know everyone's probably does...
1: sick of the comparisons, but this is very Hogan's heroes. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's it like really we lost we lost this one, but you know, we'll win the next one. Oh wait, we're gonna lose every single episode of the series. <laughs>
0: Until until the uh, until the red army finally rolls over them and just completely crushes them. Uh, was that this was that the series finale of Hogan's Heroes was like the camp liberated?
1: I haven't gone to the finale. I've only started. That, I mean, watching that has to be one. it, right? Oh boy, yeah. I don't know. Maybe it's like anyway. MASH and It just becomes about like Vietnam.
0: It <laughs> couldn't <and> could be. <laughs> we should, well, I, I I look forward to you documenting your journey through the world of. Uh, hogan's heroes but we
1: still need yeah that'll be that'll be a that'll be a bonus episode for like season five (laughs) of the podcast
0: (laughs) remember that time we compared everything to hogan's heroes you know a couple years ago well anyway here's that uh but to 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 round out to finish off our exploration of a of a a serial adventure here it's chapter 24 and we're back with some nogri bullshit but 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 time
1: to... to eat your vegetables time to eat your vegetables
0: sure but something happens and i am so thankful for that and it's not something that has already happened before it's not Thrawn coming back a third time stuff actually happens so leia chewy and 3po are preparing to make their journey to the nogri capital of nistau to spring kabarak and steal a spaceship to make good their escape the three PO alerts Leia that there's this one decontamination droid which is acting strangely. It's moving around the village at night when it should be deactivated, and it keeps asking C three PO questions, which I thought was a pretty funny touch. Like this is not a Leia is so spy fucking droid. shitty
1: to C three PO in this. Yeah, she is. Uh. Uh. Probably just an improper memory wipe the last time around, Leia like said. Not really in the mood for a full-blown discussion of droid personality quirks. I could name one or two other droids who have more curiosity than their original programming intended. Your Highness 3PO protested, sounding wounded. R2 is a different case altogether. I wasn't referring only to R2, which he should have, like, uh, appended with, you idiot. <laughs> Leia held up a hand to forestall further discussion. She literally <laughs> told him to talk to the hand. Talk Jesus to the Christ. hand. Jesus Christ. I do like that uh, this does
0: settle my question about whether C-3PO gets the every six month memory wipe. And I guess he does not either. So that's why the two droids have such remarkable personalities like their, you know, homosexual partnership. Um, it's kind of
1: fucked up that droids get mind wiped every six months. Yeah, I don't really, I don't like that. I don't like that at all. It's like but, you're just uh, roofing robots all the time.
0: <laughs> the the Star Wars galaxy's relationship to droids is very. It deserves some unpacking, I think, at some point.
1: Well, it's one of those um, things where it's like, it's like the 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 house elves in, in Harry Potter, where it's like. Okay, it it makes sense that like the bad characters treat them like shit, but the good characters treat them like shit too. So it's <laughs> like like what are we doing here? Yes,
0: I I, I concur. It it sticks out. Um, well, Leia and the Maytruck, uh share some words about motherhood and the tragedy of sending young men to die, saying that she had four sons who all went to war and who all died. Leia's confused as she thought. Kabarak was her son, because she's called him my third son. But no, Kabarak is the son of the son of her eldest son. He is her great-grandchild, hence third son.
1: Oh, huh? so it's a more confusing way to say that.
0: It's a confusing way to say that. It's a Star Wars-y way to say that. Because the Nogre are
1: stupid people. Leia's
0: putting the pieces together, asking the Matroc... How long has your world been like this? How many years? And the Maetroc says 48 Nogri years, she said, in the years of the Emperor, 44. So, the Great Disaster didn't happen during the Rebellion. It happened during the damn Clone Wars. As Leia puts it, the Empire have held the Nogri in slavery for
1: almost half a century,
0: and that is not 44 years worth of decontamination work. And her her again, reaction
1: is like a combination of Charlton Heston realizing it was Earth all along, Earth all the along the Apes, and <laughs> right. uh, Rachel Lee Cook realizing that she was a fucking bed and she's all that.
0: Yep, 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 yep. It's it's all two very similar films. <laughs> they have a lot to. They're in conversation. I I, I would say, uh, Leia and Chewie are on the case with uh, Chewie taking samples of the comb grass. If you recall, that's the only plant that still grows outside of their, their habitable green zone. Uh, they're still going to Nistau, all right, more than ever, Leia said grimly, but not to hit and run. If Chewie's samples show what I think they will, I'm going straight to the Dynasts. Ronnie, does something jump out about that line to you?
1: I thought it should be Hidden Fade, right? It should be Hidden Fade! It should be hit and fade. Also, I like how you're hyping up this chapter. Is not the usual nogree bullshit, but you're, you're expecting me to like be invested in a chapter in which Chewbacca gets soil samples. <laughs>
0: <laughs> not soil samples, grass samples. Get it right. <laughs> Whatever. It's the same basic principle. It's
1: stupid and I hate it.
0: Hey, all right, so I had to, I had to double check. How many times does the phrase hit and run appear in Dark Force Rising? Twice. Exactly once. I think so I think Zon, Zon fucked it up.
1: <laughs> I think he fucked up.
0: Um. So after some uh, after taking some time to finish preparations, the Matroc returns as well as Chewie with his samples. Uh, Leia acquires the portable analysis unit and gets, sets it to work on that comb grass. And they're all picked up in an open topped landspeeder. Piloted by a young female and kind of going at a walking pace, such that a dozen Nogri of the village follow along beside it. And as they pass through village after village on their way to the capital, more and more Nogri join the procession.
1: They reach. This the feels like it takes like fifty pages.
0: It's only a couple pages. I mean, it's but it does feel like it takes fifty pages. Uh, and I do think that, like, I think Zond intended this to be like a, a great and powerful moment, right? Like she's Leia. Well, is like, he failed. Leia is the bearer of their of their salvation, their rescue, and here she, and she's being, she. Oh my God, dude! Leia is Jesus.
1: I was gonna say. Holds... I, I think I understand that Zahn is like trying to show how Leia is using her powers of diplomacy to, like, better a species of characters I don't care about, but to go. It's still like, I don't care about them, so it's like snooze town.
0: (laughs) Yeah, so I I, I feel like I think Zahn is taking elements of the gospel story of Jesus' approach to Jerusalem during Holy Week uh, before he was crucified, with like being, you know, being joined by a big crowd and being, you know, celebrated when he arrives at Jerusalem. Uh, Because word has gone ahead of them as a crowd has gathered to hear the message of Darth Vader's daughter. The rumor is that the debt of honor owed to the Empire has already been paid. And that she offers a new life for the Nogri. Again, this is Jesus stuff. The debt we owe to the Lord has already been paid by Jesus, and she offers a new life as being born again in him. Uh, With the results of the analysis, Leia knows that's exactly what she will be saying. Uh, They approach the Grand Dukkha, which Zahn actually describes. um, And I'm not going to bother with reading that description. It's like a Dukkha, only bigger like bigger and it's made from different materials but he spends a paragraph actually describing it and I can only conclude from this that Zahn's only architectural interest is in clan meeting halls because that's the only time he takes time to describe something uh, 13 middle aged Nogri males are there to meet her to hear what messages she brings, these are the clan dynasts uh, and one of these of course you always have the asshole who's like yeah okay then so let's get you ready to be surrendered to Thrawn because that's what we were instructed to do with you and there's there some back and forth about honor and how she knows nothing of our customs, blah, 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 blah. But then Leia cuts it short. I and, know your well, customs.
1: I just watched a couple episodes of TNG about the Klingons and I got the gist of it.
0: <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure I know what's going on. Which one are you using Pon Far right now? Um, That's Vulcans, but, dude. Uh, whatever, whatever. They're all aliens. Um, but Leia cuts it short or exactly I guess shorter than it has Alabama been. I would say. Oh, all right, okay. Like that bastion of enlightenment, Wisconsin. All right, yeah,
1: exactly. Uh, we have a library named yeah. after Gold in My Ear. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <What>? Wow, you have a library named after settler colonialists. Um. Anyway, uh, <laughs> sorry, I was I was just not expecting that repast. That was very good. Uh, but Leia, cut, Leia cuts all this short by reaching out with the force to to the lightsaber on her belt, lifting it up before her with the force and igniting it in front of her, saying, I am the Ari Ariush, heir to his authority and his power. I have come through many dangers to reveal the treachery that has been done to the Nogri people. So uh, we have a kind of I am Spartacus moment where enough of the dynasts step forward to say they want to hear her out, that the, the asshole has to shut up. And Leia so I guess like the
1: Jesus equivalent would be like him doing one of his party tricks, like turning water into wine,
0: yeah, exactly yeah, yeah yeah or like
1: showing his uh showing his uh his palm wounds or whatever, well, yeah, that was after he was raised, but uh yeah, that'd be
0: yeah exactly it's one of those like hey you know, you know one of his close up magic tricks. Schmucks. right his close up magic <laughs> he was very accomplished um Well, explains that after the cataclysm, Lord Vader came and told them how the ground had been poisoned and offered to clean the world in exchange for service. But what they have actually been doing is seeding the planet with a genetically modified version of their comb grass that poisons the soil and makes it so other plants can't grow. And rather than cleaning the soil... All that those decon droids do is spray a little roundup on the colm grass to clear small patches for farming, never enough for self-sufficiency, thus keeping the Nogri in thrall to the Empire. As she is explaining this, she catches sight of that weird little decon droid. It has followed them the whole way, and she puts it together that this is definitely an espionage droid. She whispers to Chewie about it, and he immediately roars and strides toward it. The droids are not very sophisticated, but know when to beat it when their cover is blown. But of course, a decon droid hauling ass is a sure indication of guilt as anything. So the I, I was actually... just thinking
1: of that Simpsons episode where uh, Homer goes uh, to Lenny like the egg council guy got to you, didn't he? And then, <laughs> yes, exactly. Then the, just the the egg. <laughs> the guy in the, the egg, egg costume. The, the egg costume it. just runs away. You <laughs> yes. better run, egg. You better Those run, droid.
0: You better run. So the Nogri chase it down, and after a brief hunt, a dozen Nogri men carry it up to her as it thrashes around, uh, and she slices it open with her lightsaber. But having cut the damn thing open, Chewie identifies the espionage equipment, but also notes that it has no transmitter. So if you'll recall, when this was installed in the droid, you know uh, Thrawn was like, "Ah, eh, don't bother with the transmitter, we'll just come back and pick it up and see what it's recorded. So, so much, again, Thrawn, y- you fucked up. Uh, That That just seems to be like an unforced error. It really does. It really does. I mean, the explanation was that like the antenna would look weird, but like also the droid is like wandering
1: around at night and asking people questions. So, look, if we don't put a transmitter on it, we'll save eighteen (laughs) dollars.
0: That's right. It'll save eighteen space bucks, which is worth uh, twenty in New Republic space bucks. Yes. Uh, But uh, speaking of
1: weird exchange rates, I want to know how like. Forty-four Empire years equals forty-eight Nogri years. Well, I think it's
0: a matter of like the, the like the the orbital period of the Nogri planet is slightly longer than I guess Earth standard. I don't know what the.
1: Does so have like what, fifteen yeah. more days than than regular space? has? Yeah, yeah.
0: So yeah, they have like a three hundred and seventy or a three hundred and eighty day a year instead of a three hundred sixty-five day a year, I guess.
1: Also why didn't the Empire just force him to follow Empire time? Uh,
0: you, I got hey man, I got nothing I don't know I mean she, well she does know about it because she knows how to do the conversion so maybe hey, I bet it's like you know how um you, you know how like there's uh the 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 lunar calendar for like uh Jewish and Islamic uh, holiday counting. You know, they yeah. use a lunar calendar instead of a solar calendar, but they also conduct business according to the Gregorian solar calendar. I bet it's like that. Like the, the of which, we have this to, you planet know,
1: apparently has three fucking moons. Yes, it does.
0: <laughs> That's why they went to Nyatso on this night, because it was the darkest, because none of the moons were out. And then one of the moons came out. Uh, Well, because also it's like Daybreak or something, I don't know. Um. Anyway, uh, furthermore, having cut open the droid, Leia can demonstrate that the liquids inside the decon droid are really—that's just there to kill the com grass. Case closed. I mean, there's no denying it now. They've been sold a bill of goods, but there's still a situation that, you know, if they try to defect from the Empire, the New Republic can't say can't rescue you know can't defend them out here. Uh, there's really there's really nothing for them to do about this or how to how to respond to all this is going to take a little time to figure out. So the Nogri faced this decision on how to proceed. So they're going to talk it out with all their, their guys talking and what must be, of course, the worst thing in the world. And I really hope we don't have a chapter of the council scene of the Nogri yapping at each other about honor. Um,
1: but in the meantime, yeah, I don't wanna, I, they, they got names like Vorkork. <laughs> Vorkork. I, I hate it. <laughs> like give, I have very low tolerance for space names, as it is, and once you start uh, adding, like, apostrophes and shit in there, it it just, I can't.
0: Yep, 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 yep. Yeah, the apostrophe, I think it's kind of gone, it's gone out of fashion, but for a long time, from the 70s to the early 2000s, at least, that was how you indicated weird-speak. If you were a lazy science fiction and fantasy writer you just sprinkle in some apostrophes, you know, that, that'll make it look all weird. It's just very lazy. Um, but anyway, the, uh, in the meantime, it's agreed that Leia, Chewie, three PO and Kabarak are free to go in a fake breakout escape. And then the rest of the Nogri will feign sending commando teams after them. So as not to tip off Thrawn while they decide how to kind of proceed and navigate this situation. Turning back to Kar- to Kabarak, Leia ignited her lightsaber and cut him loose from his chains. Come on, Kabarak, she said. Time to go.
1: I do think it's cool Bad- that she actually uses Leia. her lightsaber.
0: Yeah, I think it's cool. Leia, I think, despite her rudeness to C-3PO, uh, Leia actually does stuff in this chapter. And things changed and happened. I'm very proud of Timothy Zahn for making these steps. And I just do want to say, this is kind of, we were talking a little bit before we started recording. And I really do feel like this scene should have happened like eight chapters ago. There is no fucking reason. Why other than that, like Leia had to be stuck somewhere. Well, it's like with Kashyyyk in the last book. We got to stick Leia somewhere while the rest of the book happens. And then maybe a couple of things happen with Leia. But like, this this right here, this change in the nogree situation, this demonstration of Leia showing some growth and coming into her own as like a forceful personality, that should have happened like the day two after they got there. I do not understand why. I do not understand why. I, that it's just, just makes a really me wonder, bizarre, like how
1: much of this book is just characters being marooned.
0: <laughs> uh, I mean it's well, yeah. I mean that was a lot of the last book too, with you know Luke being you know crashed on uh, on the uh, Mirker and stuff. I guess it's a way you know when everyone has spaceships, you have to get them, you have to separate them from their spaceships because spaceships can solve a lot of problems. So yeah,
1: you know. but I feel like it 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 robs the characters of agency. Just like if you think about a. Uh, a James Bond movie. It's all about like James Bond going places. Whereas this is just people getting trapped places.
0: Yeah. It's people being trapped places, but then they also go places but don't do anything at those places. They just get a clue on the next place to go.
1: And then they uh, get like arbitrarily separated for no real reason. <laughs> we should we should put together a
0: diagram of like a timeline of like who is accompanying who over the span
1: of these books. I think that would be a good like visualization. I think Khan like and Leia have been in the same space for like 3 chapters out of like 40. Yeah. Which honestly is really sad because like that's a time
0: for like your 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 life mate, your soulmate is pregnant with your children, you're about to become parents. Um that's a time that's very special. That's a time that n- does not happen again. Uh, and so it's kind of sad that Luke is spending it, uh, racing around the galaxy with his old gambling buddy, going to the casino submarine.
1: Instead of being with me, his there's wife. something in this chapter about how, uh, like she was reminded that she was pregnant, and she told uh, what's her face that she was pregnant, and like, yeah, I think that's how like they they got in the subject of like uh how uh four of her sons died in uh space vietnam
0: <laughs> yeah that's right that's right which does because they because correct me if i'm wrong but there have been descriptions of leia like placing her hand on her swollen belly right like she's visibly pregnant at this point maybe the Nogri just thought she was fat it could be or maybe you know humans in Nogri can't really you know size each other up secondary sex characteristics wise you
1: know, yeah. I mean I, I mean, I can't tell the difference between a male gri and a female nogri. They're just a bunch of needle teeth monsters to me. <laughs> now, now who's from Alabama? <laughs> anyway, well, that's
0: hey, why, at that's least why they, they have teeth. Off. Oh, boo! I have fatalities. Strong teeth. I have strong, good teeth. Uh, Dude, you've
1: told me I, like you went like ten years without seeing a dentist. Yes, and then when I went, the dentist like complimented me on how strong my teeth are. That's how
0: fucking good we're talking, buddy. <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> that does that does uh, wrap up uh, our recap, and a lot of stuff happened. I think we're really we're really getting to the it's a mad 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 world part of uh, cockamamie, you know, uh, chases and races. And whatnot, I really. I, I guess like, I do I am... wonder
1: who, who is actually going to get the dark force because um, yeah, this is supposed to be this is like the second in a trilogy, and and uh, if uh, if the pattern holds, that this is going to have a down ending. So right, there's it the would bad make guys more sense for uh, Thrawn to get the dark force, but it also makes right. sense for like the dark force to like get destroyed or something, and yeah, nobody yeah, gets yeah, it. Yeah. Maybe Senator
0: uh, Bernie Iblis will just run off with it. He'll run off Who with knows. his uh, delegates. With his delegates? <laughs> but anyway, uh, I'm looking forward to what's going to go down on the casino submarine. I can't wait. I really, really, really want to... I want everyone to have a big fight. I want there to be a big bar brawl. I want, uh, I want Grand Admiral Thrawn to be thrown into an aquarium I want uh I want Han Solo getting hit over the head with a bottle marked XXX. I want it all. Uh but we'll have to see if that uh if that happens. But in the meantime, though, what are we to do to amuse ourselves, Ronald? I mean we've read our chapters, we, we don't have to read any more. We've done what the sort homework. Of mindscape? We've done the homework, we've eaten our vegetables. What are our eager questing brains supposed to grab onto now? Hey, I know. How about we have a debate? That's right, everybody. Welcome to Into the Thunderdome, our uh, debate segment, where two men enter, two men leave, but one of them lost the debate. That's right. It is our most popular uh, segment, the one that we get the most emails about. Uh, people are clamoring for more. They're 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 sending in. Uh, debate topic suggestions. Actually, no one has done that. If you have a debate topic suggestion, please send it to thronderdomepod at gmail.com. Uh, but in as the we, meantime, we do we, have, as um, we
1: all know, like the only the smartest people debate, like uh, Ben Shapiro, Steven Crowder, <laughs> Jordan Peterson, <laughs> Kirk Cameron, all of the, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, what's his?
0: Oh, what was that? Michael Behe, the creationist guy. Uh he's another one who's always challenging people to a debate. Uh, Oscar the Grouch. D- Oscar the Grouch. Uh P- Plato. You know, and Aristotle. Famous Muppets. They probably Muppets. like to have debates. Famous Muppets. Um but anyway, now it's our turn. It's our turn to join those illustrious figures in the intellectual pantheon
1: as we argue today about what what are we arguing about today, Ronnie? Well, we're we're arguing uh, something that that has already been argued in film form. Uh, we're talking Freddy versus Jason. Oh
0: yes, Freddy Krueger versus Jason Brueger, I think his last name was Voorhees.
1: You simpleton. Voorhees.
0: Oh, so he's a Dutch guy, huh? Yes. Oh, all right. Okay. Well, ooh, that explains a lot. Hey, so uh, I think I am actually pretty uniquely suited to like making this a toss-up of like who gets what side because I have only ever seen one film in either of those. I thought intellectual... you were just
1: saying you only watched one film ever. I've
0: only I've only watched one movie. I've seen exactly one movie. It's you've the, seen Coco the and it made you cry. Uh yes. I saw Coco and I cried and I was like, I can't ever watch another movie. They'll all do this to me. No, no 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 but I have seen of those franchises. I've seen exactly one movie from each of them, and it's the same movie because the only one I have seen is Freddy versus Jason. <laughs> so, I am uh I'm willing to go for for either side here. So, uh, Ronnie, I'll, I'll I'll give you the pick. Or should we co- toss a coin? What do you think?
1: Uh, I'll go with Jason because I've uh, watched the Friday the 13th movies uh, recently. Okay,
0: well, I'll go with uh Freddy. Because I saw Freddy versus also, Jason... I, I think
1: you're more of a Freddy type, if you know what I mean.
0: I will come back to what you mean about that. Uh, I will say I, I'll, I'll go with Freddy uh, because uh, I remember ads for the uh, the Freddy Krueger 1-900 uh, number you could call it, to listen to Freddy Krueger say stuff. Um... And I also uh, recall there was a time when uh, the next door neighbor kid tried to scare He was a little older than me, and he tried to scare me by saying that a new guy moved into the neighborhood. And his name's Freddy, Freddy Krueger. But this was before I knew who that was. So I was like, oh, okay, is he nice? And so he was a little disappointed. Wouldn't it that be I wasn't great
1: if Robert talking. England had actually moved into next door?
0: That would have been fun. I would have wondered what he's doing in Augusta, Georgia. But, you know, that's uh, that's his business. <laughs> But anyway, all right. So I'm Freddy. You're Jason. Uh, how about get us warmed up, Ronnie? How about you go first? What, what makes what makes
1: Jason the superior creepy, creepy crawly? Well, uh, he he uh, he rips off Halloween pretty hard because he's a a voiceless uh, brute. Um, but also he's sympathetic because uh, whereas Michael Myers is pure evil, uh, Jason Voorhees is uh, simple. He's a deformed. He's a deformed boy who grew up to be a deformed man, and he uh, he's just taking revenge on uh, uh, the 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 sexy teens who killed his mother and the sexy teens that that kind of caused him to drown to death, but not really because I guess he survived for some reason because uh, continuity on the Friday the Thirteenth series isn't very good.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, okay. Uh, I, I, is that your, your opening remark? Am I, am I allowed a riposte here or
1: I'll just, uh, finish up by saying, uh, I think that the Jason is, uh, is better because he, 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 has a code to him. He, he only kills territorially if, uh, mm. and he doesn't kill children. He, he only kills, uh, sexy teens that, uh, that smoke pot and, and have sex. Uh, mm. there've been multiple occasions where he's had the opportunity to kill uh, little little children, and he's uh, refused to, or he he chooses not to, rather. Okay. Also, so, so you're the, arguing. Also, the hockey mask is pretty cool. It is a strong look. I I do
0: agree. That kind of uh, the the kind of way it accentuates the affectlessness. You know, that's pretty cool. Um. So are you are you arguing that Jason is like ethically superior? Is that? <laughs> I thought we were arguing about who's creepy, scarier, and
1: a better monster. I mean, I think, uh, I, I mean, there's no, there's nothing in the rule book that says I can't argue that Jason Voorhees <laughs> is a more ethical slasher. <laughs> I mean, the, the, okay. the, 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 the remit is just Freddy versus Jason. It's not like you right, know, right, who's right. cooler or who's spookier. It's, That's true. You know, we, who...
0: we on we on ThranderDome know that the key to, to a truly stimulating debate is avoiding defining your terms at all costs. Because uh, then you can just go, you can go hog wild with it. Well, I would, I would counter with, uh, with some of this. See, I think, I think in the matchup of Freddy versus Jason, I'm going to accentuate Freddy's monstrous qualities. I think that makes him a more compelling character. How about that? We can, we can kind of go with that. Okay. Um. Yeah. So for one, you mentioned that Jason is limited, like geographically and behaviorally, you know, in his murder and whatnot. So like you know, you only have to worry about getting murdered by Jason if, uh, like you said, you're a sexy teen who likes to unwind with a uh, with some weed and isn't hurting anybody, and uh, you know, likes to play a little grab ass every now and then. There, there um, is
1: one glaring exception though, because uh, there was an occasion in which he was uh, Shanghaied into space, and uh, ah, and right. uh, he caused uh, he's caused much mischief in uh, in space, so. It's not just New Jersey that, that, that should fear him. It's also space.
0: That's right. Uh, much much Us learning the lesson that uh, there is nowhere the Dutchman's terror cannot strike. Uh, from, from New Jersey and New Amsterdam to the, uh, the trading concession in uh, feudal Japan that the Dutch were allowed to set up. They, their reach extends everywhere um no but i was gonna say is uh, so that but th- those are all things that people can't avoid doing and often people do avoid doing but what's something that everyone has to do you have to sleep everyone is vulnerable to frederick krueger the, the the dream stalker the night howler that's right you might think you're safe because you're nowhere near him, but oh no, you're just a flutter of the eyelids away. Yes, indeed. Also, his—you you, you, know—you don't—you don't see Jason's face very often, right? Like you see it a couple times in the throughout the series.
1: Usually right? at the end of the movie.
0: Okay, so it's and it's still grotesque, sure. Freddy, you see that fucker's face all over the place. He's vamping for the cam. He's mugging. He's mugging up and down. You see his gross little face with the muscles and tendons all over it. He's just giving it to you all day long. That that Freddy Krueger. Look at that. He's got a cool weapon, you know, like a machete. You know, whatever. I mean, that's that's fine. Like you know, it's pretty menacing. Not nearly as cool as a freaking razor blade glove. I mean, come on. That's that's panache. That's style. I think what we have here is you know, Jason is a uh, is, is a lump. He's just a big unhewn lump of murderer stone. Right? But Freddy... Oh, Freddy is a sculpture. Freddy is an artwork of menace. Freddy has dimension that Jason simply doesn't. And for that, I think he is a more compelling spook up
1: and a, a kind of a, a, a greater ghoulie to be remembered. Well, I, I disagree with you because, uh, because the Nightmare on Elm Street series as a whole... Uh, kind of just devolves into like repetitive dream sequences. That I, I mean, something that that you haven't brought up is that Freddy has an absolutely awful sense of humor, and he punctuates every kill with <laughs> just terrible one-liners that that uh, that rob me of any menace. Whereas Jason, cool as a cucumber, never talks. <laughs> that's that's. Just I mean, a I mean, like. He's like Freddie is like if Josh Whedon was a was a serial killer. And oh, he probably is. Ouch. I was
0: gonna say, what do you mean if? Hey, yeah. all right, our first our first libel lawsuit. Uh I guess you do bring up a good point that uh Freddie is a little cornier. Well he's a showman, right? He's a he's a uh he's Freddie is a theater kid monster, <laughs> is what I'm trying to say.
1: Well that explains why he's a child monster.
0: <laughs> it, it does. It does. And I think we can stop our argument there because I don't know where else I'm going to take this one. Um, but as, as is always the case, uh, we follow our mentor and leader and master, Timothy Zahn, entrusting the audience to come to their own conclusions. In the case of this masterful debate, thank you again for being my intellectual interlocutor, Ronald. It is always a stimulating pleasure. That is, was a gross phrase to use just then. So I'll, I'll shut up. But uh, I like the idea of us all. just
1: the next debate. We just do another set of slasher villains, but they're even more strange, like Leprechaun <laughs> versus uh, Charles Manson, <laughs> or like uh, the uh, Chopping Mall Robots versus Driller Killer. Yeah, Pinhead versus uh, those Pinheads from Freaks,
0: <laughs> or uh, let's see, uh, Doctor Satan. Versus uh, Doctor Giggles.
1: Yeah, well, let's let's save let's save some of these for the next show. I can't uh, burn gold <laughs> like this.
0: We'll we'll save
1: it for the Halloween special where
0: we'll just I'll just I'll just talk about like movie slashers I vaguely know of from trailers.
1: Yeah, that that'd be a good bit. You know, like you knowing nothing about horror, and me knowing way too much about horror. It's
0: uh it's the dynamic that has kept our friendship fresh and vital for all these years. Yes. And uh, and with that we would also extend our friendship to you the listener. Please uh enjoy the next episode of Thronderdome coming down the pike. We are wh- two episodes left. Yes. For Dark Force Rising, right? Yeah, wow. Time flies. Oh, sunrise sunset. Um so we'll finally see who gets the Dark Force uh you know who who gets a drum smashed over their head after the jizz band gets into the big uh the 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 big uh Melee on the uh, casino submarine planet, and uh, and we'll see what me and Ronnie have to argue about uh, next time on Thronderdome. Until then, uh, please enjoy fine literature wherever you find it, and a good night all. Goodbye.